I'm Gary, and uh, I want to welcome everybody out here today, let you know I'm glad you're here. Guys, we want to get started here in a minute. Before we get started, I want to pray. Can we do that? Is that a good thing to do? All right. Father, I just want to take a moment here and to, uh, and to call upon you as we begin today. Father, we're looking at the words of Jesus, your son. And uh, Father, we're paying more attention to him this year. We're, we're paying particular attention, maybe a better way to put that. Uh, Father, we really want Him inside of us. We want His words to be real in our lives. And we're doing that right now. And uh, Father, I pray because I've just had a hard time focusing this week. And I know it, it, that can be a challenge for any of us. And so Father, I'm praying right now that You'll help me focus and You'll help everybody focus just on the words of Jesus. Father, I pray You'll open our eyes to see what You want us to see. Father, I believe a relationship with You is a very personal thing. Father, I believe it's, it's a, and you speak to each of us on an individual basis. You show us what we need individually, what you want us to see. And Father, I pray right now that that's what we're opening our eyes to, to what do you have to say to me. And Father, uh, guide us as we, during this time, it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. All righty, Tim started a new sto- series last week entitled Storyteller. And uh, in case you're wondering what that's all about, we're looking at the parables of Jesus. Parable is just simply a story. Jesus used story after story after story to illustrate the truths of God that He was trying to get across to the people of that day and to us. That's why they're recorded for us. And the word parable just simply means story. And so we're going to be looking at those and we're going to be talking about that and Guys, as Tim started the sermon series last week, we, uh, the week before, or two weeks before, I forget how it was, uh, him and I were talking about it. And uh, it's amazing how things become clearer to you once you pay attention to what God's really saying. You know what I mean? And we were discussing this series and who was going to do what. And he said that he was going to do the introduction last week, and I was going to do the first one. And... Uh, um, we were talking and I said, listen, you're doing the introduction, that's fine. I said, you just have to, you've got to put one thing in there about Jesus' parables. And he did. Okay? Uh, and it, it, it's in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, these two scriptures are, should be on the screen. And in case you notice, in case you're wondering, the notes look a little different today. Uh, the only thing that's going to be up on the screen are the scriptures. That's because I didn't get everything done in time. Okay? So they just got the scriptures up there. Uh, Carla worked hard this morning to get the notes in your in your in your bulletin, but they're not going to be up on the screen. Also, just the scriptures. But look at these first two scriptures in Matthew 13, verse three. He says, "He taught them many things using stories." Okay, many things. And then down in verse 34, it gets a little bit clearer understanding of it. It says, "Jesus used stories when he spoke to the people." In fact. He did not tell them anything without using stories. Guys, if he didn't tell them anything without using a story, I think I need to work really hard at understanding these stories, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's kind of crazy, and this is really what we're going to be talking about, and I'll get to it in a minute, but how you have a particular thought process, and that thought process influences the way you look at things. Okay, 30 years ago, I started coming around what is now Greater Alton Church, and we had something called Bible Talks. How many of you all remember Bible Talks? Okay, it is what they now call a cross chat. 
And it was an evangelistic tool. It was designed to help people who didn't have a relationship with God or to, 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 to want to have one, to, to try to stir their interest in seeking God. And if you were leading a Bible talk back in the day, there was one easy way to do a Bible talk. You know what it was? You do a parable. You look at one of the parables of Jesus. That's what you did. And as a result of that, I kind of got in my mind that parables are for those people, Jesus was communicating with those people who are just starting to find Him, who are just starting to seek Him out. Does anybody else see anything wrong with that thought process? No. Guys, the parables are for understanding God, period. And we're going to be talking further about that today. But guys, it's, it's, it's something we got to, we're paying attention to that. We're taking this whole year. Our theme here at Greater Alton is Him in me. Or here in me. Him here in me. Okay? And we're wanting Jesus inside of us, guys. We're not wanting to be a church. We're not wanting to be a religious organization. We're wanting to be people who are truly followers of Jesus Christ. And that means having Him and His words inside of us in a very real way. And so we're taking the year to focus on this and to give it a whole bunch of attention. And guys, the parables are what we're looking at. Today, forgive me. Guys, when you talk about the parables, something interesting, they're very interesting what Jesus has to say. And uh, it's not on your notes, but I want to read another passage to you in Matthew 13 that the teenagers looked at, or the teenagers in my house looked at it. I think you did too, Mike, but I don't, we do things differently, so I can't speak unilaterally about what he had to share with the teenagers at his house Tuesday night. But the teenagers in my house, we looked at this passage in Matthew 13 a little closer, talking about the parables, and this is what it says. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 10, it says, The disciples came to him and asked him, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Now when you look at that, guys, I don't know what you think, but that's almost kind of like, hey, some people are going to get it, and some people aren't. I mean, you could look at that and you can go, Jesus is cryptic. Because he wants those people who, who ain't quite gonna meet up to his standards, so they won't get it. Okay? Some of us will, some of us won't. Is that what God is saying there? Now, we, we, it was fun. We went back and forth with the teenagers Tuesday night. Well, it sure looks like that's what he's saying. Does he, is, are some of you gonna get it and some of you not? No, God wants everybody to know him. Okay? I want you to know that under, very clearly. But I believe that he does it this way because he, he wants us to put forth some effort. He doesn't just throw it out there. So, hey, oh, you can kind of sniff at it. Oh, do I want it? I'm interested. Oh, I don't know if I like that. He's saying, listen, you want to know about me? You've got to put some effort into finding me. That's what he's talking about here. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's ultimately, guys, the way life is designed. There are secrets in life. I love the way he used the word, the secrets 
of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. Which side of a secret do you want to be on? The knowing side or the not knowing side? I want to be on the knowing side. If you know what I'm saying. Now, I'm not talking about just, hey, I know what's going on with so and so. I know, you know, I know they're, I know they're trying to have a baby. I know they're wanting to get married. I know he wants to date her, but he don't want me to tell her. I'm not talking about information like that. I'm talking about the way of knowing how to do something. The secret. You see, guys, I've struggled as a man earning a living because I didn't always know the secrets to things. When I'm doing when I'm doing a job at work, there's sometimes I'll be I'll be I'll be, I'll be struggling through something and somebody will ask me, it looks like you're struggling with it, and I'll say this, I'll go, Yeah, I just haven't learned how to hold my mouth right. And you you know what that means? You know, it's like there's some little secret here, there's some little trick. And sometimes you do the trick, you do the secret, and you don't know what you did. And you figure you just had your mouth in the right position for that one. You know, and that's how you explain it. But if you learn the secret, what happens? If you figure it out, what happens next time? Oh my gosh, it's easier. Isn't that the truth? It is so much easier. And guys, that's what God's talking about here when He says the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Guys, those secrets... They're not hidden from me on the job. I just don't know them yet. I've got to go through the effort to find them. Sometimes you have to ask. Michael Gill works for us. He installs auto glass for us. And a couple weeks ago, I had to tell him a secret. You know what it is? It's how to get wipers off a Chrysler minivan. They're corroded on. You're right. There's a good reason why you can't get them off, Michael. They corrode on. We have a special wheel puller to go behind it, and you crank it down and to get them off. We carry breakaway, which is similar to WD-40, and you put it on the post, and it's supposed to help get it off. He had done those things. It wouldn't come off. He calls me up. He says, what do you do? I said, okay, here's what you do. I says, take the nut that you took off. There's a, a post, a threaded post that a nut goes on to hold the wiper on. And so I said, take the nut and put it back on. You're going the wrong direction, Gary. No, no. Put it back on. Screw it down until the top of the bolt is at the top of the the nut. Okay, you're doing that to protect the threads on the bolt head. Okay, I got that. Now grab a hold of the wiper like you're wanting to pull up and give it some pressure. Yeah. Now take a hammer and hit that bolt as hard as you can. And this is what I hear. Wow. Wow. It comes right up. Which side of that secret does he want to be on? Guys, he called me two weeks later. What was that secret again? <laughs> but guys, I've experienced you know, you know, Michael's a young man. I've got two sons. And I, I'm involved with other young men. And young men... You've heard of short man's disease, you know, where short men are... Got to throw their chest out and be be tough because they're short, okay? Or act tough because they're short. You've heard of that. Not all short men have it, you know, okay? But you've heard of that. There's one called young man's disease. 
Okay, I call, I, I've termed it. You know what young man's disease is? I know. <laughs> I got this. That's right. Young man's disease is, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. And guys, it is so wonderful when young men say, I don't know, will you show me? I mean, that's what Michael did when he made that phone call. He's saying, I don't know, tell me. And guys, it's exciting to watch that happen. Guys, that's what God wants from us when it comes to the secrets of His kingdom of God. He says, if you seek, you will find. But you're going to have to put in some effort. And so guys, that's what it's about. And today, what we're wanting to talk about in Luke chapter 5, the uh, reference to the passage in your notes is wrong. It says Luke chapter 6. I apologize. Um, Bill Carpenter showed that to me after the first service. Um, But guys, this is what I'm going to call the first secret of the kingdom of God. And I say the first secret because I found a man, a website where a man put these in what he believes is chronological order. He he did that based off the works of F. Lagarde Smith, who uh, wrote the illustrate. I say wrote who put together the illustrated Bible, put the Bible together in chronological order, the best way that he could understand it. And he based it off that. And he, he says these, these parables follow an order for a reason. And these first ones are about, hey, there's a new story being told. There's something different than what you're expecting coming down the pike. And guys, I believe I, I, it fits what he's... I've. With preliminary investigation, I believe what the man's trying to say because I see it fitting. It makes sense that Jesus would would follow a flow of these things as opposed to just randomly putting them out there or sporadically putting them out there. So guys, let's read this in Luke chapter 5, verses 33 to 39, and then we'll get into the parable. It says, One day some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly. And so so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Jesus responded, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined, and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. For no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. Now let me ask you, what do you think Jesus is talking about here? I mean, do you think he's really trying to give, give him a Martha Stewart advice here on sowing and on preserving your wine? I don't think that's what it's all about. Guys, and I've got it in your notes, and I just kind of throw it out there to what, we're, what, is, what I believe he's talking about, and so then we're going to discuss it. And that is... Jesus is trying to say, you can't put new ideas into old ways of thinking. Okay? Old ways of thinking prevent the acceptance and development of new ideas. You see, the truth of the matter is, 
we all have one tendency. I'm 51 years old, and do you know what probably the most popular thing, on oh, popular, popular, what is one of the popular sayings about old people? Old people are stuck in their ways, right? And I'm here to tell you I am 51 years old, and I think I'm beginning to understand some of that. Okay? Why do they have to keep updating my phone and put change in where everything's at? Anybody else have that problem? I mean, I, <clears throat> I've got a new computer. we got a new computer at our office, which I don't use much. I've got a new computer at the car wash, and I'm, I, do, I am using that one. And they are Windows machines. Well, I've been using Apple stuff as much as possible for about the last nine years. And the last... Windows computer that I use regularly had Windows XP on it. Okay? And now I go into this, is it Windows 8? I don't even know what it is. Vista 7, 8? I don't know what it is, but I can tell you this. It is a challenge to power that computer down. To turn it off. Without just turning it off the button, and you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to click on the screen where it's at. And you click the little button down at the bottom, and it's not there. I don't like that. I declare myself an old man. But I want to tell you something, guys. I want to tell you this very clearly. Being stuck in your ways is not just an old person characteristic. Okay? It is not at all. And guys, I want to tell you, this is probably one of the biggest problems that churches have as a whole is they get stuck in their ways. We call them traditions. They do something and it works, and they never want to change it. Now, guys, we get... We, now, I say that it's not just a church thing. Because churches are made up of what? Individuals. That's right. And, guys, we are all there. And that's why church splits happen. Is because individuals don't agree, do they? That's what happens with that. But, guys, I want to let you know... I believe it's a problem with every person in this room where you want things to be a specific way. And I'm going to tell you right now, and I've said this, made this statement before, I'll continue making this probably till I die. I, don't, I may not know all of you personally. I know I don't know all your thoughts. I can't read your mind. But I would bet good money that there's some things you think and believe about God that are wrong. And I say that because I continually find things that I think and believe about God that are wrong. Or that I haven't understood all that well. And guys, that's just the reality of the situation. We grab a hold of something, we get a picture of God. Maybe we were told it by good people. Maybe they even put Bible behind it. And then you look at something else that God says in the Bible that contradicts it and you have a hard time accepting it. And I'm not just talking about little things like baptism, okay? That's a popular one that people have disagreed on for, for, for centuries. I'm talking about, I've seen people disagree with God about how much He loves them. I've seen people disagree with God about being forgiven. I see people disagree with that every day of the week because they're going around feeling guilty and Jesus died on the cross to forgive them. And they don't need to be for, they don't need to feel guilty. So guys, as I say that, I, I want you to know there's something that you have right now 
that is in your head about God that's wrong. I want you to understand that because Jesus is telling this parable to say, would you look at the problem? That's what he's saying. Those thoughts are going to get in the way of you seeing me accurately. That is what he's saying. You see, now guys, the good news is, and I've entitled this lesson, in case you were wondering, or you saw it in your notes and what's that all about, you're not a wineskin. Okay? I wish I'd had some pictures, again, I was short for time, of what wineskins look like, new ones and old ones. Alright? They're made of leather. They were, in that day, they were made of leather. The new ones were made of soft, supple leather, leather that was pliable and moldable. And when they got old, old piece of leather, like an old boot, boot gets stiff. Doesn't, it's stiff. It's rigid. And that became an issue because when they would put the new wine into the, 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 the wine skin, it was not done aging and fermenting. And it would expand and, and give off gases. And the new wine skin would allow for that. It was flexible. It would allow for that to grow. Where if they put the new wine into an old wine skin, what happens when it flexes? It breaks. And you see, guys, here's the deal. If you have an old wine skin, there's no magic out there to make it into a new wine skin. I mean, literally, an old wine skin is just that an old wine skin. It's done. You can't make it new again. But you want to know what? God made you to be transformed. You don't have to stay where you are at. You're not stuck. Look at these passages, guys. This first one's in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And this is what it says. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What's he saying? God wants to transform you into somebody different. God wants to make you into a different person by changing the way you think. You're not stuck where you're at. Do you know that? And not only are you not stuck, God doesn't want you to stay where you're at. Guys, look at this other passage in, in Ezekiel chapter 36. And this is same kind of deal. He's speaking to a specific group of people. This is not a generic promise to anyone, but I believe it applies to anyone. And this is what he tells these people. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in, in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Guys, God is a God of change. And He's wanting to transform each one of us into being more like Jesus than we are right now. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that kind of exciting. I find that exciting for several reasons. One is because I don't necessarily like me all the time. It's also exciting, guys, because I want to know more of the secrets of the kingdom of God. And he's going to show those to me if you want. 
Guys, how often do you tell yourself that? God wants to change me. I mean, which is more your focus? Maintaining the status quo and getting the world to conform to you, or the world around you to conform to you, or is your, ch- your focus on God wanting to change me so I need to work with Him? You see, guys, I, I present that right now because that's important where you are. Because that gets back to what we were talking about in the beginning. If you think that you're going to be happy when you get all the circumstances in your life the right way, you're going to be disappointed. You see, that's one of those beliefs about God. God's going to make me happy. And, and you have a very particular picture of what that happiness looks like. It, what your marriage will look like, what your kids will look like, what kind of job you'll have, what kind of money you'll make, what kind of house you'll live in, where you will live. And you, and you, and you have this picture that says, if all these things are right, I'm going to be happy. Enjoyed that, did you, Lynn? <laughs> She's laughing because she knows that ain't right. But guys, if you have that thought, you're not going to be transformed. You're going to be looking for God to change everything around you, and you're going to be praying to God, (coughs) whining to God, excuse me, about changing everything in your life, and He's going, I want to change you. So guys, I just encourage you to understand, God wants to change you. So how do I become a new wineskin? I'm going to blow through four things here real quick, because I've already talked about some of these. Number one is recognize the problem exists. Okay, we have a tendency to get old, dried up, and brittle in our thinking. Stuck in our ways, as I've already talked about. Jesus told this whole parable for the point of saying, recognize the problem, people. You're not going to understand the secrets if you're an old wineskin. Recognize the problem exists. Guys, I'm a firm believer that you won't fix any problem in your life until you recognize that it's a problem. You know, Alan coined a phrase through working with people several years ago that says, I'm not going to work harder on your problem than you do. And you know the other the other saying he has is nobody wants a, nobody wants an answer to a problem to a question they're not asking. They don't want an answer to a problem they don't see. So until they see the problem, you're wasting your time giving them an answer. Guys, it's the same way here. If you don't recognize that we have this tendency to get rigid in our thoughts, and that gets in the way of us having a more complete and full understanding of God and His kingdom and its secrets, guess what? We'll never change. We won't go any farther. We won't go any farther. Guys, Jesus is using this to help them see their problem. He's merely saying, your present ways of thinking are a problem. And they're going to get in the way of you accepting me and my words. Second thing, guys, after you recognize your problem, is you need to repent. Okay, and I'm sorry to get religious and use a religious word on you like that. Okay, but I believe it's time to do a little reshaping of thinking even in this. Whenever you heard the word repent or repentance, you may have a negative feeling about it. Because basically somebody telling you, you need to be different. You need to live different. And that's not, repentance does not mean change the way you act. Did you know that? 
The word repent means to change the way you think. Ultimately, what it's saying is you need to take your thoughts and make them agree with God's thoughts. That's what repentance is. Well, does that mean good? I just got to think the right thing and I don't have to change the way I live? Well, if you think the right thing, you will change the way you live. That's the way God set it up. That's the way it's where you're choosing to agree with God. Guys, let's look at a couple passages here. Um, I'm going to start with Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8. And this is what it says. It says, Do things that prove that you have turned to God and have changed the way you think and act. Okay? Acts chapter 26 and verse 20. This is what Paul says. He says, First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea. Then to the Gentiles I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. You see, guys, their deeds were not their repentance. Their deeds proved their repentance. Their deeds proved they've changed the way they think. They changed the way they look at things. Guys, well, what is that all about? How do you, how do you change the way you think? I, can I give you one example from me? Okay. I am 51 years old, and God is working through me to teach me about Him by the reality of being 51 years old. Okay? I'm 51 years old. My daughter's on the track team. She has been for the last several years. And so that gets me around my favorite sport in the whole world, track and field, because that's what I used to do several pounds ago. And several years ago. And guys, that reminds me of, of the time... Do you remember a time, older people, excuse me, over 30, do you remember a time when you could do things you can't do now? Do you want to do them again? Yes! And I've lived my... I No. <laughs> okay, I, I can rephrase that. We won't go there. I've lived my entire adult life thinking one day I'm going to get back in shape. One day, what are you laughing at? (laughs) One day I'm going to get back in shape. And I'm going to be able to do most of those things. Maybe not the same level, but I can still do them. Uh, That ain't going to happen. I'm coming to the conclusion, not only is that not going to happen, it's only going to get worse from here. Is that fair to say? Some of you are older than me, older than 51. Is that, is that reality? Well, I mean, the Bible says that, okay? The Bible talks about it in Corinthians that our bodies are wasting away. They're perishing. That is the truth of the matter. Okay? So what do I have to change the way I think? Well, guys, the Bible says I'm... Fo- I'm <clears throat> My body's wasting away. I focus not on what's seen, but is what is unseen. That means my attention in this life, I should not be concerned or depressed or discouraged or bothered about my declining physical abilities. Yes, I like to take a nap every day. I admit it. Amen. <laughs> I don't I don't bother I don't care if you know that. 
Okay, I don't care at all. God's telling me, God's telling me, Gary, you don't be so concerned about what's going to stay in this world. You need to be concerned what you're going to take out of this world, and that's you. That's your character. That's what kind of man you're going to be becoming. I don't care about what I can do physically. I care about what kind of man I am spiritually. And guys, that's, that's a cha- that, that has been a, a, a big change. I mean, I've cared about what I am spiritually, but it's totally shifted where, listen, and not only that, God says that, He says that at the resurrection, I'm going to get a new body. So I shouldn't care too much about this one. Now, I understand the whole, it's the temple of the Holy Spirit, and I need to take care of it. I understand all that. But mentally, guys, where should my focus be? Where should my attention be? And guys, the fact that my body is declining physically, instead of bringing me down and bothering me, it's getting me to go, spiritual is what counts. Spiritual is what's more important. Guys, I'm changing the way I think. Guys, that's what repentance is. Repentance is when you take an idea or a thought you have that disagrees with what God says. Can I give you another example that I've seen over and over and over again? And this plays into what we're talking about here. Because I just talked about you have to admit there's a problem. And I've been in this place. I still struggle with this. But I know I see it on a near near daily basis with people that I'm around, and on a regular basis, with people who are trying to follow Jesus, and it's this. We have a hard time admitting when we're wrong. Why do we have a hard time admitting when we're wrong? Guys, I believe it's because we got a wrong thought in our head. We have a thought that says, I've got to be good enough. We may have a thought that says, I get my value from my performance. And if I've done something wrong, I am devalued at least for a period of time until I can get my performance back up. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to feel that way. Did you know that God doesn't agree with that thought? You see, if you're talking to God, God's going to say, Listen, buddy, I sent my son to die on the cross so you could be forgiven. You can admit anything you did's wrong, and it don't change your value. And you see, guys, that's what you, it's what you can do. It makes it so much easier when you're trusting Jesus, when you're agreeing with what God says, you're able to say, not in, not in, a, in a flippant way if you've hurt somebody, but to say, so what if I did something wrong? I'm forgiven. All I have to do is try not to do it again. I don't have to feel bad about it. I can admit when I'm wrong. Guys, that's what repentance is. It's changing the way you think. Third thing, guys, and this goes right along with it, of how do you become an old, become a new wineskin, is you replace the old with the new. And what I mean by that is you replace the old habits with the new habits. Alright, once you change the way you think, you change your actions. They follow. Look at these passages. I've got two of them here. And we're going to read them. And then we're going to go back and kind of dissect them a little bit. But as we read them, I want you to pay attention to how both of these things are taking place. How, how God is telling you to replace the old with the new. 
while at the same time he's given attention to changing the way you think. What's your motivation behind it? Let's read this. The first one's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. I'm guessing there's a person or two in this room who's had a struggle with worry this week. I'm just guessing. I mean, guys, when it comes to worrying, there are all kinds of things to worry about. I mean, there's financial worries. Okay, how are you going to pay your bills now? There's long-term financial worries. What am I going to do when I retire? How will I pay for my kids' education? There are worries about relationships. If you're not married, you're worried if you're going to get married. If you are married, you're worried if you're going to stay married. You're worried if your spouse will be what you want them to be. If you have kids, you're worried how your kids are going to turn out. If they've turned out, you wonder what their kids are going to turn out like. You worry. You worry about your job. Do I have the job I want? Will I get the job I want for you campus students? Am I going to make enough money to raise a family? Am I going to make enough money to have the things I want? Worries are all over the place. And what's Jesus saying here? Don't worry. Instead, pray about everything. You see, guys, and then he goes on to say, tell him what you need and thank him for what he's done. When you're worrying... What's your focus on? It's on yourself. How is this going to work out for me? How is this going to impact me? What's God saying your focus should be on? It should be on Him. And it's interesting, He says, tell, I love the way He says this. Tell Him what you need. Okay? I think a lot of times if we start praying about what we're worrying about, we'll realize it's what we want, not what we need. But guys, he goes on to say, thank him for what he's done. Guys, what's the motivation for trusting God is looking at what he's already done. Change the way you think. Don't focus on what you don't have. Think, focus on what he's given you. Then you replace. Let's read this next passage, Ephesians chapter 4. Now, I just want to tell you, I'm not one of those people that likes to cut and paste the Bible all up. I did this for readability form. Okay? Uh, I don't believe I've changed the context or anything, but I wanted to very clearly illustrate again replacing the bad with the good. Because there's several examples of them in, this, in these seven verses. It says, Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood, okay, and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, 
just as in Christ God forgave you. Guys, when you, when you read through that, can you not very clearly see replace the bad with the good? And can you not very clearly see motivation, the what you think, how you think is important? You just look at this last example here. I'd love to go through the whole passage, but time is an issue here. He says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Guys, what's the bad? Bitter, rage, anger, brawling, slander. That's the bad. What are you focused on when you're that way? When you're bitter about something, what are you focused on? What you didn't get? How you were wronged? What went the wrong way for you? When you're forgiving somebody, what are you focused on? What do you say? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. See, guys, when you're focused on yourself, and you're thinking, i got to get mine, and you're thinking, I deserve, those are the breeding grounds for bitterness and rage. But when you're focused on, wow, look at all my sin that Jesus forgave, what happens? You want to forgive others too. It makes it easy to forgive others makes it easy to stop the bad and replace it with the good. The last thing, guys, there, as we're closing out, is just relax. Just relax. I, I don't say that as one who is competent in that. I believe I trust God. I have a very strong trust in God. I believe that. I don't always... I'm not worryless, though. Does that make sense? I'm not joyful. I trust you, God. I'm trusting you, God. Make it good. And that's how I feel. Guys, relaxing is a choice. The same way that worry is a choice. Guys, I encourage you. If you, you go, how do you do that? Go back and look at what God has done. First look at those stories in the Old Testament and look at how He comes through for the people time after time after time after time. The story of David and Goliath amazes me for one simple reason. One simple thing. Not that David killed him. Not that the little boy killed the giant with a rock. One little thing amazes me about David's faith in that. And that was when he ran at the giant. How nervous or worried do you think he was? I think I would have been standing behind a big rock throwing my rock. I trust you, God. Guys, God wants you to relax. That verse we just looked at in Philippians, in Philippians 4 says, The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. And it's beyond our understanding. That's what God wants you to experience. Guys, I don't know where you're at today. There's a card in your bulletin. If you have a prayer request that you want to uh, ask for the prayer team to pray for you about. Guys, I, I'm a fan of this. 
I don't believe everybody needs to fill one out, but I'm a fan. I can tell you that in 2000, and I think it was four, several years ago, a long time ago, I forgot what year it was, I started filling one of those out. And for like several weeks, I just put the same prayer request down. What was it? What was it? And guys, it was a turning point in my life. And guys, I believe having other people praying for you is a way to help make that happen. So I encourage you to do that. You can fill it out as we sing the next song after I get done praying. And then uh, they'll collect them up with the baskets. Let's pray. Father, I am excited and I'm encouraged about knowing the secrets of your kingdom. Father, I love going into a difficult job knowing the secret. I love how easy it makes it and how accomplished I feel. Father, you've given us secrets that go well beyond getting a simple task done at work. Father, you've given us the secret to life. And Father, that life goes beyond this world as we know it. Father, I want to pray right now that you can just open individual eyes to see what you want them to see. Father, there may be people in this room that say, I don't, I don't, re- I don't recognize I have a problem. Father, you show them what gets in the way. Father, I pray there's people right now asking you to show them what they're believing about you that's wrong. And it's getting in the way of them experiencing one of the secrets of your kingdom. Father, I pray you do that. And I pray that you open our eyes to see how we can change the way we think. Father, that's easier said than done sometimes because we don't like letting go of our old thoughts. One of the things that Jesus said that we didn't talk about is that you know, those who've tasted the old wine say it's better. And all that means is we don't like giving up what we're comfortable with. We don't like giving up what we know. Father, help us to trust you to do that. And Father, to do it relaxing. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.